are listening to Radio Influence. Oh, what's happening, peeps? How you doing? I'm doing good, doing great. Ah, we don't even say, like, what's the new normal, normal? We're just living our lives, right? Are you? I am. I am. Okay, little, little, this is a good one today on this Rock Stops here. Former world WBC IBO heavyweight champion of the world, Pinklin Thomas. He was big in the 80s. Uh, I will get into his bio and he, I just sat down with him, and very interesting, very interesting dude, uh, 63 years old now, and his wife was there with him, and he had this boy, and the boy was eight years old, and I, he tells the story, it's incredible, how many of you would you do this at 63 years old to help out a kid? a boy, and what he is doing and doing with his wife. Uh, Really incredible, but some great stories, great stories, great stories. All right, I just got to mention, before we get in with my sit-down with Pinklin Thomas, and these boxers, real boxers, they do not like these YouTubers, MMA guys coming over to their sport and making all this money. I mean, hey, God bless America. You know, if there's people that are paying to see this stuff, but they don't like it. And I'll I'll get into it in a little bit. I do have to say we are coming off now the the celebration, the boat parade and everything that went along with it with the back-to-back wins for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup. They won it back-to-back. It was the shortest span of any championship. Uh, you know, it wasn't even the full year. Look, they did it. They got it done. Isn't it funny, though? Isn't it funny? I have been down here in Florida, in Tampa Bay, working uh, for close to 25 years now. I came from Denver, Colorado. Originally, I'm from New Jersey, that New York, New Jersey, PA, Northeast. And how Tampa Bay is hated by sports fans outside of Tampa Bay. That's what happens when you win. And believe you me, the same thing's going to happen for all those that hate the Tampa Bay Lightning because they won back-to-back. It's going to be like that this year for the Bucks. You know, last year was, oh, it was an unbelievable story and with no practice and Brady coming and could Brady, was he going to be better than Belichick and all this and there's no way going to a sorry franchise and then they won it in their own home at Raymond James Stadium and everything that happened with COVID. It's not going to be like that this year. You know, uh, the Bucks are going to be hated and it's, it's just so funny to me. You know, oh my God. And why don't Tampa Bay sports fans riot and loot like so many teams do when they win a championship. I'll tell you what, I'm going to get into all of that on the backside and give you a little update. This is our hang, but let me welcome in now former WBC IBO heavyweight champion of the world, Pinklin Thomas. What a story. I, I, I didn't really, you know, I remember in the 80s following Pinklin and I was just starting out in this business and covering a lot of boxing, especially title fights in Atlantic City. And Pinklin Thomas only had three amateur fights. And then he turns pro. 
And then to win the world championship and he wins the heavyweight championship, but his life, that's what this podcast is about. It's not just what you do in the ring or on the field or on the court or on the ice life and his life changed and it wasn't for the better. He, he tells he's, he's very frank in this. You know, he lived life in the fast lane. He was young. He's a heavyweight champion of the world with drugs and the lifestyle. And it wasn't good. And his fight with Mike Tyson. And he's always asked, you know, is Tyson the hardest puncher? And he's like, no, Trevor Burbick. But what happened in that Tyson fight? He's not a fan of Larry Holmes. He likes Larry Holmes, but Larry Holmes ducked him. Also, what he is doing now, you know, he gives back and he doesn't expect anything in return. That's it's it's a life it's a life story for all of us, really, to follow. It, it really is some advice. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. So here he is. And, oh, his opinion on the Jake Paul, Logan Paul, the fighting Floyd Mayweather, and, and the MMA guys coming in. All this, oh, he is, he's got some strong opinions. Without further ado, the former world heavyweight champion of the world, Pinklin Thomas. Ah, the great Pinklin Thomas. Pinklin, you look you look like you can get in the ring. How you feeling, Pinklin? I feel fantastic, man. It's been uh it's been a journey. I've had a couple of uh you know, things that a little setbacks, but I've come back strong, man, you know. You know, I, I watch you work the room and anybody that brings you up is like, Oh, what an unbelievable man. Do you look at it like you're a former boxing champion or that was just a small portion of your life and you used that fame to bring about good things to other people? You're right. You, you got it. You hit it right on the head. Uh, what you, you like you in my head or something, you know? Uh, I heard a guy up there, I think it was a uh, man uh, uh, from my hometown, uh, yeah, I can't call his name now. That's okay. I'm a radio guy. Uh, he said, uh, you know, I told him that, uh, you know, uh, I'm signing match tubs and, and, and toilet paper, you know, closing out arenas. And that's what I've done. That's what I always revolved my, my career on because when I was coming up and I was, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten and oh, um, a lot of guys back in my era in the 80s, you know, they had promoters. They had promoters. They had managers, matchmakers. At that time, I, I didn't have that. I went through some, some contractual disputes. My managers, I paid them to stay away from me. Wow. I uh, didn't have a promoter. So um, I was uh, literally doing my own thing. But what I did have that was going for me was I was winning. I didn't suffer no losses. I mean, I would, I wouldn't take. But the guys who had promoters, they didn't want to fight me. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then as I moved up and moved up the ladder, then they uh, they wanted to come to me. Mm-hmm. Not the fighters, but the promoters. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but I just I just hung in there, man, and did what I had to do. And thank God, man. You know, only through His mercy, man, and He led me in the right direction and put me on the right track. You, uh, just real briefly, you only had, was it only three amateur fights? Yeah, I had three amateur which fights. Which is unusual, what you yeah. get into the pros. And uh, were- I remember the month of November in 1977. That's when I found the sport. And uh, and uh, I had my first fight January the 26th. 
1978. I fought in Tacoma Golden Gloves. I lost my first fight on a decision. Fought a guy named Tommy Thomas out of the... Uh, he was out of Walla Walla Penitentiary. Well, he, he, he was in. He had went to penitentiary. He was, he was uh, doing about five year bit, uh-huh. and um, he was actually a, a small heavyweight. He's about one eighty six. I remember because I was one ninety four, mm-hmm. and um, he uh, we fought and uh, he beat me. The reason why I think he beat me, uh, I know he beat me, was because he looked like a fighter. He shot. He did the two thing. I, I was a street fighter. I see. So I, I took see. him the distance, you know. Wow. And uh, then, but we, it was funny. We walked down. We were taking a shower, and uh, I told him, I said, uh, Tommy, I said that's all right, brother. I'm gonna get you in the Seattle gloves. He said, No, you're not, Pink. He said, you hit you damn hard. I'm going out like heavyweight. <laughs> no kidding. And true enough, he did. And uh, the Seattle gloves was two weeks later. He won. He won the light heavyweight. And I won the heavyweight. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So it was a funny story. I tell that story all the time, but that's what it is. Now, did your life change when you won the heavyweight title? When it was terror, it was Witherspoon, wasn't it? Witherspoon. Yeah, it was when you won it, uh, did that change? Did that change you at all? All of a sudden, you're the heavyweight champion of the world. You know what I mean? Fame or anything like that, or you did <coughs> not put too much stock into that. You know? What do you think? Well, you know, man. <coughs> When I became heavyweight champion of the world, of course it, it made it changed a few things, man. but um, the mentality, my mentality of living, you know how it was back in them days too. Sure, it, it was uh, the glamour, sure, the, the money, right. the uh, the fame, young, sure. you know, you go overboard, you. Influence, sure. you know, and I, I went through all of that, you know, and it, you know, it wasn't the greatest part of my life, you know. The greatest part of my life was announcing that I was heavyweight champion of the world, but the way I lived it and carried it, and you know, due to I had a great title defense uh-huh. with Mike Weaver, yes, but um, you know, I, I made some. You know some drastic mistakes. You know with the with the drugs, the lifestyle, and stuff that went along with it. You know, and '88, um, I think I suffered that loss of Holyfield, uh-huh. and I'm '87 lost Tyson. Right, it, it was just a pitfall. I had a broken shoulder. My fault. I was going to ask you about that. What, was that true? You were fighting hurt with your shoulder with Tyson. You yeah, were actually was, doing a good job, but you were out jabbing. Yeah, him, yeah. I but, had to change my style because I was going to fight him like Douglas fought him. You know, on the move. I told, I sold the fight to Don King. I mean, I went to Don. I told him, man, I'm going to fight that young kid, man. Blah 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 blah. Really? Yeah. And uh, you know, he, Don was laughing. I broke in the office on him. He was having to me. I said, man, I got a way. I'm going to fight this guy. Blah 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 blah. And um, he started laughing. You know, I did not start telling him I was going to whoop him. And then I was in camp. I was at Hoover Street where Norton used to train. Yep, I remember in that. In California. Yes, heard about and that. And I was working with a kid named Mark Wills. And, um, and, and Scrap Iron Johnson was training me. And uh, we both threw right hands and it knocked my shoulder out. I see. And about six weeks before the fight. So I had to load Don. They both said, man, you can't, you need to, not, not Don, because yeah, I need to yeah, Don. I see. But Angelo knew. And I see. I told Angelo. Great Angelo Dundee. They, they, they tried to convince me. To, I said, no, nah, man. I said, I'm going to beat this guy with my left hand. Wow. So then I had to change my style. I see. And I changed my style. And I popped him with the jab, tying him up. So, 
And the first round was crazy. He was knocking everybody out. Second round was a little wilder. But then the, the third round was about even. And the fourth round, I pulled it off. And the, and the fifth round was about the same thing, you know. And, uh, and I told him, I walked over there to him in the same ring. I said, boy, look at your buddies out now. And I said, I'm going to get you, you know. And I walked back to the corner, and somebody told me my glove had split. Now, that's what caused me to fight, but the glove split. It wasn't my shoulder was popped out. Then it took 10 minutes for him to get the glove, to get, give me another glove where it should have been a ringside, you know. So then I, that's the politics and the BS, you know, sure. that go along with it, you know. Sure. And, uh, yeah, but that's what really caused me. Only my job, I made a statement in uh, Facebook the other day. Uh, the only, uh, the only ones really know the truth about that is me, Mike, and me, Mike, and God. <laughs> I love you telling it, telling it to us here. I love, I love that. Did you know at that time that Tyson was going to be one of the greats? Did you Did you know? Did, could you tell? Did you think? That he was going to be one of the greats? Yeah. No. You know, the reason why was because I was, I was controlling with one arm, one shoulder. I mean, I, I had him where I wanted him, man. I told him that I, at the end of the fifth round, I said, look, man, I said, your ass is out. Yeah. I told him that. Mike, you know, you know, but but then, like, my shoulder popped out. Right. When I got hit with the shot, but I was fighting with a broken shoulder. So, I mean, what the hell? Right, 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 right. You know, but I mean, to, to, to recognize Everybody say, well, was he the hardest puncher I uh, got hit by? Uh-huh. No, was he a great fighter? Yeah, was he a great kid? Did I love him? Oh, I love Mike, man. I love Mike. You know, uh, when, he, when he went to the prison, I cried, man. I, I hurt. I told Angelo, I said, Angelo, Going to Indiana, he said. Oh, I'm gonna say the. Um, he said, "What you, what, what you talking about?" I said, uh-huh. I'm going up there, and I'm so pissed off at him because I wanted to, I don't beat some sense in him, or he's gonna kill me up there, you know. And uh, and I said, "Man, you can't get close to him. You can't get close to him. He's a Muslim. You, you know, he's a Muslim. They ain't gonna let you get close to him, you know." But um, yeah, I I love that kid, man. Uh, so, I, but. But did I think that he was the hardest puncher? No, I didn't. Not one single punch. I got hit by punch, seven, 18 unanswered punches. Right. And I went down. Right. But I got up by the count of eight. I mean, by the count of 10, I was still up. And I was just had that in my mind, saying, I ain't gonna let this kid knock me out like he knocked everybody else out. So I got up. But you know, so that one big punch, right. you know, or the, you know, the combination right. didn't put me down like that, right. you know. So I mean, Mike, Trevor Burbick, I got hit with some big shots uh, and some shots that really made me see stars, you know. Really. Um, but you know, the Trevor Burbick I fought and the Trevor Burbick Mike fought was two different Trevor Burbicks. I see. I right, yeah, I, right, different times. It was it was, it was, a, it was a, it's a story on the, behind that. I won't even talk. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. What about the sport? Okay, we know it's business. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in boxing. You. As a former champion, how do you feel about like what's happening now with the YouTube kids coming in and making all this money against uh, Mayweather? Well, or- Joe. 
It's a joke. I mean, my wife got mad at me uh, yesterday. You can't be talking about Mayweather. I said, I'm not talking about Mayweather. I'm just talking about uh, what he's doing the boxing. You know, because we sit at the round table. I don't know if you remember the round table. Yeah, no, I heard about, yes. I yeah, we had, had the first round table. Okay. And uh, that was something that I, I brought up. Okay, I, great. I, I missed I, that. It was my, my daughter's yeah, uh, birthday. I just don't, I, I didn't like, I don't, you know, what was happening with boxing now. Right. And, I, and we talked about the MMA and all exactly. that stuff. And you don't like it. You don't I, like I, it. I, I, I don't dig, no, I don't dig that where they come in and, yeah, well, I'm not an MMA guy, you know, right. because I came up in the '70s and the early '80s, and 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 you know, shit, uh, uh, a hit on a head is a rapid punch or a kidney shot, and you tie somebody up, or you, you know, you get penalized or get a point taken away from you, lose your purse, you know, you know. So I mean, like, how can I turn around and? You look at something and say that it's great, you know, watching somebody busting, need somebody in the balls and, right, right. you know, on their back and hitting somebody with brass knuckles or ball or, or with their uh-huh. solid fists. You know, I, no, I didn't have no respect for that. And then, I mean, I ain't talking about Floyd. I, I talk about what's going on to bring in guys who's over and one who never even had a damn fight and then going to put them, you know, get in the ring just and then make them a bunch of money, make them more money. But what does it do for boxing? What does it do for boxing? It, 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 you know, it diminishes it. It don't make it look good. Right. I mean, what do, What about the guys who struggling their butt off and out there trying, trying to get to the top and have to fight these contenders. I mean, it's not like it used to be, man. You know, back mm-hmm. in the 80s, we, man, you fight the num- number six, num- fight the number three, number three, fight number one, you know, number 10. You might have opportunity to fight from 13 and number seven. That's the way I had to move up. That's the way I moved up. Right. It wasn't no, you know, nobody had a name, somebody. But then it, when it did get to a point to where, like, you know, I was there. And before I got there, like when I fought Tillis, uh-huh. you know, from 13 to uh, becoming three, you know. Uh-huh. Then and Larry was sitting there, Larry Holmes was sitting there ringside, and that chump. You know, cheering Tillis on, wanting to fight him. But then when I knocked him off, knocked Tillis off, he ran like a thief. Mm-hmm. And he's still running right now mm-hmm. today, you know. My, my wife always tell me that. My wife always tell me, you you're talking about Larry. You know, that's not no reason. You just need to quit that. And I, you know, I love Larry. Larry's a good guy, too, you know. But I, I, I you know, I got respect for him. But, you know, the respect that I don't have. Mm-hmm. They hear him say he fought everybody and he did the, you know, he did the number and all mm-hmm. that. No, he didn't. I mean, only I can say that though. Nobody else is gonna be able to say that because they wasn't behind me and they were. They don't know what went on with me and Larry mm-hmm. and me as a champion, as number one contender, and, and being ranked number one in all three divisions. And then for him to fight and then to look over me and fight all these other hammerheads sure, and, and go yes. and move on to another division. Because yeah. he didn't want to fight Paige. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget about it, man. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I had a, I you know, I respect. I've seen oh, one of the best fights I ever seen was him and Ken Norton. 
You know, they fought a great fight. Yes. What the hell? I'm that. That um. I'm I'm still pissed off because he didn't fight me. Yes. Because I think that if I if he would have fought me, I think I would deal I did a number on him, and I think uh, I would have exploded. You know, it's okay to still feel like that. Yeah. You're honest. Yeah. You're honest. I'm very honest. You're you know, and my wife everybody. and people say you shouldn't say things like that. You know what it is. What, yeah, what it is is what it is, and what he did was wrong, and I just didn't appreciate it. Well, it might, might not been might have been business on his part, but as far as I'm concerned, me as a fighter, sure, and the work that I put in, the mm-hmm. hard work I put in, just like the hard work that he put in, somebody gave him an opportunity, you know, and he was able to. You know, he took it and he, he achieved it. That's when he fought Norton. Right. You know? Well, listen, I appreciate I appreciate your honesty. Now, Pinklin, what you have done post-boxing career, what you have done with Pink, what you have done in the neighborhoods, where does that come from? What, why, why, why do you do what you do? Maybe you can explain to our listeners that might not know what you have been doing. Hey man, you know what? I I don't know. It just comes from the heart, man. I I'm, I just I, I love giving back, man. It's nothing like giving back. I mean, that's that's in the Bible, man. You know, you give, you receive. You know, but without expectation, I don't do it expecting something in return. Ah, that's the key. I do it from my heart. You know, I I have that little kid, that little kid out there. Yeah, that little kid. Um, I won't. So since we're talking, I, won't, yeah, yeah. I ain't got to call no names. But yeah, yeah. that little kid, uh, me and my wife got a call. That's a family member of hers. Uh-huh. We got a call from the grandparent in Mexico for us to go and pick him up because he was at his house because he had called the police because he had been left in the house oh. for two days oh. and Papa went on the bench mm-hmm. and um, so we had to go get him they said if we ain't come and get him they was going to put him in a foster care so we've had him for four months now when I got him he was bent all out of shape I said that's alright son I brought him Got him a haircut, bought him a new wardrobe, took my office, made it into a kid's room, set it up well, and uh, he's a happy camper now, you know, look at SpongeBob, looking at TV, taking a bath every that night. That is beautiful. Bathtub. But the deal is now, you know, mom is, uh, now, now the mom coming to picture after he, uh, this kid just turned nine years old. I just gave him a big birthday party. Wow. And the mom pop up after, after, uh, he, four years, after he, he four years old. And then she said four. Nah, she won him, but the dad's out there. So it's now the story is that, uh, the courts is saying the mom, because it's gonna be the mom or the dad, mm-hmm. and get him first. I see. So she, she wins. Well, they'll say she can get So in another month and a half, they come to get him. So, you know, I feel like I'm going to feel like I know what I'm going to, I mean, it's going to be a, a day, it's going to be a day of turmoil hurt for me, man. You know? I didn't, I, I saw you around with this little guy. I, I thought him, it was man. like a grandkid or something. I had oh, no, no, I had I no idea. I just, that's, I, that's beautiful, man. I changed his life. You are, you are something else. I changed his life, man, you know. 
Is there anything in closing that you would like to tell anyone out there about anything at all, Pinklin Thomas, before we uh, wrap this up? Any any words of advice uh, from the great champion in life at all? You like to say? No, at all? man. You know, it's I an just, honor to have I, you. I, I just keep my head to the sky, man. I, you know, keep God first, and um, I just, I just, I, I, I keep, I stay in prayer. My father always told me, "Ask God for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, strength, and power, and show me the way." And that's I listened to him quote that from the time I could remember till he died, and. uh my mother always told me that if I didn't know what to say or how to pray, just say thank you, Jesus. I remember I said it to going to Miami one time. I almost said it to Miami. So them two quotes and things, that's why it's so, it's not easy. It's never easy to look over uh, death or to get through it. But through that, what they've given me, that's what keeps me grounded. And uh, when there's a, we've just did a, uh, my wife had a friend mm-hmm. who passed away and she became my friend. Oh. And her daughter was in Atlanta. And well, we took her, we made uh, our arrangements and all of that, brought the family down, the family stayed with us for a week. Uh, we went and we did the service. We had to repass in my house. They stayed with me until everything was done, you know. And um, you know that was it, man. That's the greatest thing you can do is to give and give, and not without expectation, you know. And and, and that's a blessing. Yeah, we're gonna end on that. It's been an honor. Thank you so much, Pink. Okay. I sat down with Pinklin. It was at the Florida Boxing Hall of Fame. What? And I want to thank uh, those that run it, and they they gave me a credential, and I was able to give them a little publicity, and I really, 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 really enjoyed it. It was great. It was interesting. I was there for two days. I couldn't make the, the one of the sessions. And when boxing fans can mingle with their heroes... And I'm not talking about just the boxers, the trainers, the cut men, uh, ring announcers, uh, you know, any, anybody that's involved in the sport of boxing. It is a tight fraternity and the love they have for that sport. It was kind of neat being around them. And I was around for a couple of days and I saw Pinklin and I, I went down the list and I had a couple. I was hoping that would show if they showed, I'd try to get them for the podcast and Pinklin Thomas, I'm like, he's, he's, he's got a great story. We'll see how it goes. So I saw him. He was wearing a suit. Uh, and he was shaking hands and taking a lot of pictures after it was over. And I said, Pinklin, how you doing? My name is Rock Riley. I'm a local sportscaster here. I have a podcast. I'd love to get you. I'm over here. He said, oh, okay, okay. And then he was just busy doing his thing. Then I saw him. He was getting some cake. Uh, Leslie Bakery. Oh, my God. They brought out this beautiful, two beautiful cakes. Uh, and and the fans got to just mingle, take pictures and hang with those that were in the Hall of Fame and going in and just, it was just like a really neat vibe. It was a happy, cool vibe. And I saw him with this b- a boy and I just thought it was like a, maybe a grandkid or something like that. And how about that? What he did 
going to Mexico with his wife, taking that kid out of that bad situation in the home alone and setting up his office for a playroom and feeding him and giving him new clothes. He was wearing the the kid. Jordan was wearing a number 23 basketball jersey. I think it was a Michael Jordan jersey. So Jordan and he was really hanging around, uh, you know, Pinklin and his wife. It was really cool to see. And isn't that neat to, to do that, to do that? You know, I, 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 I got to do more than that. I got I to gotta admit, I think I'm a little selfish, just concerned about myself and my family. Maybe I should do a little bit more. We'll see. But it was really, really good. And he's a gentleman. And so I really enjoyed that. And his wife was nice, too. So thank you. Thank you, Pinklin Thomas. Now, that Logan, uh, the Jake Paul fight is coming up. He's going to fight Tyron Woodley, who is, uh, again, smaller, again, MMA. Uh, that's going to be August 28th. And, you know, I was thinking, I want to lead into Johnny Manziel, because I was listening to Johnny Manziel on this podcast called Bussin' with the Boys. It's out of Nashville. They do it in a bus. They played in the NFL. It's good. They're very popular. It's good. It's good. It's a good podcast. And Johnny Manziel was on. Now, I've listened to Johnny Manziel on a couple of other podcasts. He's got a small circle of friends, tight friends, that he's known for a long time. So that's good. Um, But I, well, should I just get into that now? Well, what I wanted to do is tell you, like, Ben Askren. Ben Askren is the former world champion in UFC. But he was a wrestler by really trade. That's his thing. And he wasn't a good striker. But still, he was a former world champ, a former UFC, former UFC champ. And to get knocked out in the first round by the YouTuber, Jake Paul. Now, Jake Paul's got a good punch. Jake Paul, I think in boxing wise, just for me looking at it from afar, it looks like he's even more talented than his brother Logan Paul. But still, he was what two and zero, three and zero, and you're fighting a UFC champion. And Ben Askren, every any interview you see him, he's like, "Why should I be embarrassed? I go back to my life. It doesn't really mean anything to me. It does. Come on, really? It doesn't mean anything to you. You're on a big stage. You're fighting the YouTuber, and you get knocked out in the first round, and it doesn't mean anything to you. I I find that hard to believe. If he really can program his mind like that, then more power to him. I couldn't. I would be embarrassed. And it's the same thing with Johnny Menzel. When you think of bust, like, all right, NFL bust, who comes to mind? Ryan Leaf, right? Stop talking to me. Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf had a pill addiction problem. He went to prison. He cleaned his, himself up and he gives speeches. He helps younger people. He's doing uh, media and he's turned his life around. I, I, I got to give him credit. You know, thank God I've never been addicted to pills. Thank God. Uh, but I, okay, so boom. So Johnny Manziel, he keeps saying that he has no regrets, none at all. He's happier now than when he had the fame. He's playing golf a lot, and he's a, he's a really good athlete. I've seen him dunk a basketball. I've seen him hit home runs in baseball at BP. Uh, you know, he's, he's a talented athlete. He's very gifted. But he's now 28 years old. First-round draft pick, Cleveland Browns. You know, show me the money. He was... and. Okay, so I'm trying to, I always go into everything with the glass half full. Like, there are some people that go in like, hey, I'm going to, you going to try to screw me? No, I always go in, the glass is half full. 
you know, I'll believe in you. How are you doing? And then if you're a jerk off or you screw me or that, then that's it. You know, I don't have time for that. But so I'm trying to believe him when he said that he honestly believes that his life, this is how his life was supposed to go. He doesn't have the passion for football anymore. That's fine. He's still trying to figure it out. He's 28 years old, like life in general. He wants to just hang with his good buddies and play a lot of golf. Now, that is going to get old. He's not on the PGA Tour. At least he has something. He wakes up. He said he still has some money, so he's living off of that. But eventually, you know, he's 28. Like, you hit 30, you know, you're going to have to do something, you know, right? Don't you think? And, but it's his life. So that's fine. Like I was a fan of his, I was hoping. And he said when he went to the CFL, he knew he didn't have the passion. And he, he learned when he got into the NFL, you can't just use your skills, throwing, eluding the rush, running. You got to do so much studying film work. I've seen it up close. Uh, these guys in the NFL. I mean, it's, you got the ever, cause everybody is good. Everybody's a good athlete. There, everybody's been the man in high school, Pop Warner College. You know what I'm saying? So every everybody's good. Everybody's fast. But it's you have to study. You have to work on your craft. You have to. You're at the top. Somebody every year and it's coming up in the draft every year. All American, first round, second round pick. They're looking to take your gig, man. And so he realizes that. He doesn't have the passion for football. That's fine. But when he says that he has no regrets that he's not embarrassed, he has no regrets. Like, I find that hard to believe, you know? I just remember that, you know, he partied himself out of the league. He was young, and all the stuff that he was doing, he just loved to party. He went to this, I remember there was, he was posting stuff at that time on his Instagram or social media, and he was in this, you know, there was hot babes, and it was over in Mexico in like a mansion, and I'm sure he was the one that was footing the bill. You know, when you're the guy that has the money with the, all the young people around that want to party and you're the one that's footing the bill, they're all your friends. You know, hey, I'm hanging with him, man. He's got the money. Hey, we're going with Johnny Football. Johnny Football. Yeah, he's got a private plane, man. Yeah, I'm going over to Cabo, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's taking care of everything, man. Yeah, yeah, he's the man. He's the man. He's the man. And then when he doesn't have that kind of money, he's no longer the man. And so it's just interesting, though, listening to him saying that he's happier now than he ever was and that no regrets at all. I remember there was a shot of Johnny Manziel in a bar, in a little dive bar with the NFL draft on over the bar on a TV and he was just sitting there by himself drinking and just like a year ago prior to that he was in the NFL and now he's out. You know, how, how can that not affect you? How, how can that not affect you? You know, there was another time where I saw video where he was at Giant Stadium with some buddies and they it was cold and it was, you know, cold, windy. If you've ever been to the Meadowlands and he was they were just out there partying, drinking and somebody threw a football. They said these guys are young guys his age in the 20s and they were throwing a football around and he, the football came to him and he went and he's like, no, I'm not even going to throw a righty. And he just kind of like threw it lefty and back to his beer. And I'm like, wow, he's like 20, 23, 24, 24 years old, you know, 
just think like he was in the NFL a year ago and now he's out here in the cold parking lot and he, and he doesn't even want to throw the football righty, you know? Wow. Just amazing to me, but whatever. I wish him well. I really do, but it's got to bother him. All right. Why does everyone outside of Tampa Bay hate Tampa Bay sports teams? Oh my God. <laughs> the lightning are hated. They cheated. Vasilevsky has illegal pads. They circumvented the uh, the salary cap. Kucherov waited. He, he could have played, but they faked an injury, and he just rested up all year to be ready and have fresh legs for the playoffs. Oh, I've seen and heard it all. Isn't it funny? Look. Oh, oh, and did you see the vid? There was a video. It was in French, a Montreal, or a Canadian, I'm assuming Montreal, a Canadian reporter, female reporter. And so she does this little video outside of Amelie Arena. And it was where it was where like the, the trolley tracks are. And over, you know, like across the street is the Marriott Waterside. You got the JW Marriott down there. Right, right there. And it was like way, 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 way past the game. And she just did a video where there was nobody. Nobody. And oh my God, that fueled the fire for all the Montreal or the Canadian fans. That's not a hockey town. Look at nobody celebrating partying. Well, there were. What happened? See, it's funny. You can make it look one way. There were 9,000 or so outside during the game and 19,000 inside Amelie Arena. And when it was over, you got to realize it's hot, it's humid, and it was rainy. Who the hell wants to stand out there where you've already stood or sat for four hours, probably, you know, between the three or five? And then you partied and then people were going to bars, but there's no bars right where she was standing. But my point is, it just fueled the fire. And then I started seeing. When the Montreal Canadiens beat the Vegas Golden Knights in order to get to the Stanley Cup, there were some Montreal Canadian fans, young, it's always the young people after the game, they were tipping over police cars, they were doing some of that, like, uh, the, the damage, you know, and Montreal police had to use spray, uh, they had to use tear gas. Now, there was no tear gassing. With fans here in Tampa Bay, it is, look at I've lived in the Northeast, I've lived in Jersey, I've lived in New York, I've lived in um, upstate New York, I lived in Denver, Colorado. Now, Denver, Colorado is kind of low-key. That's a mellow vibe out there with the mountains, no humidity. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cool vibe, a very cool vibe. Down here, it's a laid it's a more laid back lifestyle the major i i wear shorts like just about year round i'm not a flip-flop guy or a slides guy but there are some people that just put on flip-flops they put on their shorts their t-shirt and that's it it's an easier lifestyle it is than a lot of different areas of the United States. And, and it, it is. And in some places, and I've lived in the Northeast, 
it's so damn cold in the winter and all you want to do is go to your car, go into you go to somebody's house to watch the game or Monday night football. You can't wait to get inside. Ooh, the heat once you get in there. And that's it. You're not hanging out. You're not going to the beach. You're not just, you know what I'm saying? So it's a more laid back lifestyle here. It really is. But when that's all you got, sometimes like in a winter up north, yeah, you're really freaking passionate about your uh, <laughs> about your team. It doesn't mean that Tampa Bay fans aren't passionate about the Lightning. They are. They really are. Stamco says, I don't care what anybody says. This is the a great hockey market. They've sold out for years. So I'm not I'm not being Mr. Chamber of Commerce, but my question I ask to you is why when the Bucks won the Super Bowl the first time when they beat the Oakland Faders, <coughs> Raiders in San Diego and we came back to uh, we flew back I was in I was I was there. I was there for that. I was lucky enough to be working and being paid to be there. It was it was awesome. All week in San Diego which is a nice, nice little town. They were just building Petco Park at the time. But anyway, we came back. There was no rioting. There was no looting. I never understood cities. And again, it's usually young people. You you don't see somebody 65 years old, you know, tipping over cars or rioting, looting during these celebrations. It is it is. I'm assuming it's a combination of alcohol and it's a chance for young people to just like, hey, I I have this. Oh, we won, so I can I can do damage. I I. But why burn? Like burning buildings, breaking storefront glass. Oh, that's your excuse to go loot, take things. You know, a lot of cities they do it. They just did it in Montreal. I know it wasn't all Canadian fans. I saw the video. I saw the pictures tipping over police cars. They're they're tear gassing. They're the Habs fans. So it just, it doesn't happen here. When the Lightning first won that cup back in the day, there was no looting. Now, last year when they won it, it was COVID, you know. Uh, There weren't as many people outside, but like this last parade and celebration, you know. I, I just don't know. It's just, I'm trying to figure it out. It's just more of a laid back. I think people think that we're not passionate. Bull crap. Bull, 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 bull crap. All right, we are getting closer and closer. I am thrilled. I'm going to give you more details, but I am going to be covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like a glove for the Tampa Free Press. For JoeBucksFan.com, I'm back. So I am going to be there and give you as much information. If you are, you want the inside, I'm going to hit it here. There's probably, there's going to be another podcast. I'm going to give you all the details I'm doing and that will be Bucks related. I'll hit on a few things here, but we're keeping this the same way. Celebs, former athletes, current uh, and how they made it and all that jazz. The rock stops here. We're going to keep it the same way. I will say this, though. I I was more interested in the match. You know that golf made for TV on T- Turner with Mickelson, Brady, this time uh, DeChambeau, and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers, it's interesting. He, I, It's just, he, I, what is it? His personality. He's not... It's just not, I don't know, not likable. I'm trying to be glass half full here. 
Uh, I liked him uh, on the Pat McAfee show this past football season because he was friends with AJ Hawk and he's he was a little bit more loose. When you know somebody, you you tend to be a little bit looser, a little bit looser. But damn, oh, and but uh, but anyway, the the ratings like because last year, remember, we didn't have any sporting event at all, and when that was on and they were mic'd up, I was locked in. I just. Saw bits and pieces of it, and then I was busy doing something else. I guess because we have a smorgasbord of anything that we want to watch now, you know? Isn't that funny how you get everything back, and you go back to your old ways, and you know? But I just wasn't as... But what I did find interesting is when Brady and Aaron Rodgers, they got out of their golf carts, and they started playing catch with the football. It it really comes out of their hand a lot different than you or me, even if somebody played high school football and you were a QB, when you see an NFL quarterback, when they throw, it just comes out. Now, he and he's got a really quick release. Very easy. And Brady's got a nice touch. But I was more, I was very interested in that. I'm like, look at those guys. Look at how beautiful they throw. God dang, they throw a nice ball. And it took me back to years ago when I was working in TV. And we had a nightly TV show. We would bring in guests. We had a deal with uh, a limousine company. It was great. Oh, it was great. And I was like, I'll have the limo pick you up. Sure, that's how you can get pro athletes in. If I ever get a studio for this, I got to have to work out something with a, with a limo service. And uh, that's how I can get in guests. <laughs> it's pretty hard to ask somebody to come somewhere. Nothing's in it for them. Maybe they're plugging something. But anyway, I digress. But it was years ago, and Vinny Testaverde, the term was he got off his couch. The Jets, I think it was the Jets. The Jets signed him, and he played against the Buccaneers. I think he beat him. But I remember the time, at the time we were doing the show, and the topic was Vinny off his couch. So I called up Steve DeBerg. Remember Steve DeBerg, DeBurglar? He played many years in the NFL, and I called him up to come in, and I said, hey, well, I want to do a little something. I want to play catch with you when we come in. Because we were over in this Carillon section of St. Pete slash Clearwater. And we were in beautiful new studios. And we had a lot of room in the newsroom. And when we would t- we would do it live back in those days. Like 11 o'clock to 11.30. There was a stretch where we were 10.30 to 11. And there was hardly anybody. There was nobody in the newsroom. There was the assignment desk, and that was about it. So we had the office, and it was brand new, big high ceilings, and I brought in a football, and I started talking to Steve. I said, you mind playing catch? We're going to shoot this, and I'll, that's how it's going to be the open to the thing, and I did. And I remember, you know, you play catch. You play catch with your buddy, maybe my son or something like that. And I threw it to him, and when he threw to me, I was like, boom. It just had a perfect spiral and it boom, it like just, and with no effort and just like perfect spiral and boom, like exploded into my hands. And I was just thinking, and I remember we were shooting the video of it and I was just like, oh wow, I've never caught a ball that thrown that perfectly. Like, and he had been retired. The Berg, the burglar, if my memory serves me correctly, he was 45 years old when he was on the roster with the Dirty Birds, the Atlanta Falcons, when they were in the Super Bowl. He was the oldest player ever on a Super Bowl roster. Now, he was 44 that season. He was a backup. It's different for Brady because Brady is the franchise. You know? He's being counted on. 
but it was just kind of neat. And I always wanted to throw, when I was playing amateur baseball, men's leagues, I always wanted to throw to a current catcher that was catching in the big leagues. It never happened. There was a guy, I was living in uh, the Tamp by this radio station off of Gandhi, in an apartment complex, and I used to work out in the, the, they had these little baseball fields by the Y in South Tampa. And I remember there was a, a guy I got to know, he was like AAA in the minors, a catcher. And I think I played catch with him one time and it was kind of cool. You know what I mean? It's kind of cool. There is, there is something about somebody at the highest level. It would be like if you play guitar and you got to jam with, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Pearl Jam, if that's your thing, or, uh, you know, even the Stones at God near, are they, are they 80 years old? Are they 80 years old? I got to tell you one quick story. This made me laugh. And I told it on the last podcast when I was at this music festival in uh, Augusta, New Jersey, Sussex County, God's country, Sussex County fairgrounds, outdoors, and Pat Travers' band was leading up to the uh, main, what the main event, uh, the headliner. And there was a guy that I just met through Steve Allen of this radio station, and it was his friend, Brad, and I just met him for that day. It was cool. We kind of hung out. We're close in age, and he was a big music fan. He knew his music. You know, he knew his bands, and we were laughing, and, he, and we were pretty far back. We were standing in a field with a lot of people around. Everybody's just in such a good mood. Outdoor music festival, you know, a little hot. Believe it or not, it was like 90. For up there, that's hot as hell. But we were just having a great time. And he's like, look at that. You know, from here, he looks like he's a teenager. Come on. Because he has still the long hair. And when you're really, 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 really far away, he's, you know, he's playing guitar and singing and he looks like a rocker, you know? And he goes, he's got to be 75 years old. He has got to be 75 damn years old. And we were just laughing. And he said, he's probably just happy to be alive, you know, and it kind of made me laugh. But anyway, that was a good time. And hopefully I'll have some more good times to tell you. And I hope you guys are living your lives in more normalcy again. Doesn't it feel good? Oh, my God. Oh, one last story. Baseball. So we're now, we're coming off the celebration with the Lightning. We're close to NFL camps opening up. I cannot wait. Cannot wait for football season. And we're at the MLB All-Star break. And the All-Star Game is going to be at Coors Field in Denver. And it's the second time they're having the All-Star Game at Coors Field. I got a tour of that place when uh, you actually can pay for a tour when it first opened. Oh, it was awesome. Lodo. It's lower downtown. Now, when I lived in Denver a long time ago, they were just doing this lower downtown, revitalizing the thing with bars and restaurants. They were building Coors Field, and the Rockies played at Mile High Stadium, and I was thinking about it when I saw that, oh, is that where the All-Star game is held? Because there really is something to elevation. I remember running when I was in, uh, not running distance, I would run sprints and then walk back, run a sprint, 
walk back. I was playing on the baseball team out there in the Denver when I moved right away. Boom, saw an ad in the paper, went out, tryouts. Boom, you're on my team. Boom. Within like, you know, a week that I was living there, I was already meeting guys, playing on a team, having fun, drinking beers with them. It was, it was awesome. Like I always say, it's easier for guys to make friends than it is a woman. It takes them a long time. Does it not? Come on now, for the ladies, if you're listening, usually takes you guys longer. But, uh, and I remember like, whoa, watching batting practice and the ball taken off like a golf shot, you know? And I remember being more winded. There really is something to elevation. But I'll never forget, I was able to go to opening day with a buddy of mine from a baseball team that I was on. And we, I was just thinking about this now. Can you imagine doing this? It's opening day ever for the Colorado Rockies. Their first time in existence. 75,000 fans at Mile High Stadium. They set up temporary bleachers uh, in center field just to accommodate all those fans that drove from Wyoming and Nebraska and they're going to see Major League Baseball in Denver. And I went with my buddy, again, I was much younger, and we got a styrofoam cooler. You know those things you can buy at 7-Eleven for four bucks? And we stocked that bad boy with ice cold beers and ice. And I carried it from the parking lot where we parked right up to one of the gates to get into to Mile High for opening day. For the first time ever for Major League Baseball in Denver. And I put that cooler right down on the sidewalk. As like the gate is right there to go in. There's like four different entrances. And my buddy and I, for a couple hours, we stood there and just drank beers from the styrofoam cooler before we went in. The bad part about that is I was in the middle of a long aisle and I remember how many times I had to go to the bathroom. And that's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, people were pissed. You know, oh, this guy again. That's one of the bad parts of it. Everything else was great. But one of the funniest things that I ever saw. So, and then when we were done, it was time to go in. We might have had a couple of beers left in there. We just left the styrofoam cooler right there. Or did I, I might've, I don't remember that. I think I just left it there with some beers in it. Yeah, I think I did. Otherwise, cause I'm not a, tra- I, I don't throw trash or leave trash. I always put trash away. Always have. But I think the reason was, is there were some beers. We didn't finish everything and we had to get, cause it was getting ready for the ceremony. You know, they, they got all the pomp and circumstance and all that for the first ever major league game, 75,000. So we had to go in and I left some beers in there for whoever else is coming by, you know, but here's, here's the, here's the, here's the punchline. So it's years and years and years and years later. I'm living down here and working in the Tampa Bay area. I go to this little mall in St. Pete called Tyrone square mall. And I go into one of these memorabilia shops, you know, where they, they have like uh, pictures on the wall with frames and they had, you know, when it'll say like Yankee Stadium and it shows a beautiful, you know, panoramic view and it might be in a frame and you can purchase it. I was, I, I looked and there it was. Mile High Stadium gives the date. Opening baseball like Colorado Rockies. 
and it was an it was an aerial shot. I don't know if it was from a helicopter or whatever. And I looked and I could see the styrofoam cooler on the sidewalk outside the stadium with 75,000 people in for first pitch. And you could actually see the cooler. And I laughed and I go, there's my cooler that I left forever. History. How about that? And on that one, that's my mic drop. See, it doesn't take much for me to get excited. I know. I know. I'll see you next week. Who do we have? I don't know. Going to be a mystery guest. Please continue to listen. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With another edition of the Rock Stops here. Have a great week. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>